Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Today we're going to be talking about pursue love. What in the world? Well, you know, you'll find out where I got that from in just a moment. And we're going to be going eventually, we're going to be going to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. As I said, we're going to be talking about pursuing love. You know, so much has been written about love. And I don't want it necessarily just take you back to first grade, but it's important that we revisit some things every now and then. And so, you know, even though so much has been written about love, I still find it very hard to define love. I can describe some things about love, but trying to really define love is, it kind of escapes me, you know, uh, in, in, in at least defining it in a, in a strict sense. Love can be described from various standpoints, and, and you, like me, we've experienced in a lot of different ways, but, uh, but, you know, love does not always mean getting what you want. You know that? Isn't that interesting? I thought you loved me. Well, love does not always mean getting what you want. Uh, uh, love does not always mean pleasing someone else just because you love them. Uh, it's hard to separate love from the wisdom that love demands. It's hard, as I said, let me say that again, it's hard to separate love from the wisdom that love demands. Love drives both God and man to pursue and to protect what they value most. Sometimes it's hard to imagine, and I know that that's a very strong statement, but I've found that to be true. I've covered it every way I can in the Word of God. And this morning, I really do submit to you that love drives both God and man to pursue and to protect that which they value most. That does not always mean, by the way, that you're valuing the right thing. I believe love is the most powerful force in the universe. Sometimes love makes us happy, and sometimes love makes us sad. Sometimes love challenges us to go along, and sometimes love requires that we stand apart. Love can join us, and love can separate us. Love can say yes, and love can say no. Love does what is best in its eyes, even when it's misunderstood. Sometimes it's easy to love. Sometimes it's hard to love. <laughs> oh, come on now. You know, uh, I, I can see you there at home, you know, uh, sitting on that couch. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't really, but I, I can imagine you. Sometimes love can be easy sometimes it can be very hard to love love can blind us we see that from judges chapter 16 where samson was so blinded by love that he ended up really being blinded 
And sometimes love can open up our eyes. Sometimes love is returned. And sometimes love is despised, rejected. Love motivates both God and man. Love drives us to pursue and protect what we value most. As I said, that's not saying anything about what you value. But love drives you to pursue and to protect what you value most. Love is a choice. Love is always the right love. The love of God is always the right choice. Always the best choice. Love is the measure of God in the person who is loving. Not the measure of the person being loved. Love never fails. Talking about the love of God, the right love, the rightly placed love. And in case you were unaware, let me assure you that love is work. Love is work. Have you found 1 Corinthians chapter 13? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this chapter is known as the love chapter. This is the chapter that does its best to describe love without really defining it, but to describe some of the attributes, some of the strengths of love. Starts out in verse 1, of course, Everything in chapter 13 here is aimed at this right love, the love of God, the, the, the God love that, that each one of us should have and should hold and should cultivate, should protect in our lives. Verse 1, reading from the New King James Version. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and the church at Corinth knew a lot about the wrong kind of love. The church in Corinth was filled with people who were doing the wrong things in the name of love. They even had a temple to the goddess of love in Corinth. Some of you will be going with me this year to Corinth. And in June, we'll make our journey to Greece and we'll you know, visit several places, one of which is Corinth. And while we are at Corinth, I will show you the place where this temple to the goddess of love was there, and uh, men would come from all over the world to visit this temple and there to pay money to have sex with a temple prostitute. A little misplaced love, perhaps. So here is the Apostle Paul is writing to those who have been born again in Corinth, to those who have come out of only pursuing the world's definition of love, only pursuing the carnal definition of love, 
which is a love of this world and a love of the things of this world and a love of self and a love of the pleasures of this world and the love of the money of this world. He's talking to them about a different kind of love. He's talking to them about a, a love that they should be embracing, a love that they could know because they have given their lives to Jesus Christ. He wants them to challenge themselves. He wants them to take you know, inventory of their lives because he wants them to end up being more like God and not just loving the things that they perhaps had formerly loved in their own carnal pursuits. Maybe he is trying to get them to begin to pursue and protect those things that God pursues and God protects. And this morning as we read this, let's not read it as though it were a letter to a group of people in Europe 2,000 years ago. Let's read it as though it were a letter to us today, trying to explain the attributes of love so that we could take an inventory, so that we could examine our own lives and see where we measure up according to God's kind of love. Verse 1, he writes, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbals. Now that's very interesting. That's kind of a picture of someone who's just making noise while they're speaking because they have no love of God in their hearts. So the things that they are saying without love, without being tempered, without being filled, without being motivated by, without being full of love, the things that they are saying, even if they are speaking mysteries, even if they're speaking the mysteries of angels, it's no better than just clanging two pots and pans together. It's just noise without love. Wow. All of the wisdom of this world is just noise when it's not motivated and not aimed at pursuing and protecting what God loves. Verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. What? Do you mean that if I could work miracles and if I could move mountains and if I could prophesy, but it was not from a heart full of love, from a motivation of loving what God loves, pursuing what God pursues, if it's from some other motivation, then it would literally mean nothing. Verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You can see here that the Apostle Paul is trying to appeal to the desire of people to actually make a difference. What he's saying is that all that you would do in word or in deed or in sacrifice or in giving, 
if it's not motivated by the right motivation, if you are not connected to why you're doing it, if you're not connected to the God that it should be motivating you to do these things, then really it, it means nothing. It's profiting you nothing. You're not accomplishing what you hope to accomplish. Verse 4. You remember I said that love is work? Oh, look how hard love is. It's going to take some work. Why? Because love suffers long and is kind. <laughs> Any of you ever uh, realize sometimes it's a little hard to be kind? Sometimes it's a little difficult. But love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up with pride and arrogance. Verse 5, love does not behave rudely. Oh, we could stop right there and preach a while, couldn't we? Huh? Now, by the way, when the Apostle Paul was writing this to these born-again believers, to these new converts, to these new Christians in Corinth when he was writing this he was not trying to give them a measure a yardstick he was not trying to give them some way so that they could judge other people how many of you thought about perhaps that person at the drive-through you know whenever love does not behave itself rudely and you're thinking of someone that was rude to you recently oh no you know, because love is not judging other people. Love is checking yourself. Because when someone is rude, that's where love suffers long and is kind. It's a finger pointed at us, saying, are you rude? That's not love. Oh, isn't this good? So let's not begin to imagine all those other people that don't love you. Let's imagine you in the hot seat. Let's imagine the Apostle Paul is talking to you about you. And he says, love does not behave rudely. So here is what you ought to say every time someone is rude to you lord help me not to be that way not lord help them not to be that way lord they need to get saved you know that's not loving no these things are turned on us love does not seek its own Whew. love is not provoked Oh, and that's, that's a hard one for me because, you know, I, I was born with a spirit of short fuse. I don't know about you, but I have to deal with this constantly. I constantly have to coach myself because if I'm not watchful, I can be provoked. You know, and I have to constantly remind myself, okay, now that didn't sound loving. That's not loving. You know, and you want to almost say, yeah, but you caused it. I mean, you, you're the one that did it. You provoked me. You're the one that made me mad. You're then, hold on. 
I need to say to myself, love is not provoked. And love thinks no evil. You don't go around trying to, you know, find the reason why this is so bad. I mean, love is not chasing the conspiracies of life. Even when the conspiracies are in your own family, it thinks no evil. Well, we could stop there and have enough to work on for the rest of the week, I know. But let's go to verse 6. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See, I told you love is work. Love is work. You know? The first part of verse 8, love never fails. Talking about the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts. You might say, well, I just don't have that kind of love. Then you can be born again. And you can get Jesus to move into your heart. And this is the way Jesus is. And the more and more and more that you yield yourself to him, and the more he teaches you, and the more you grow in him, then the more loving you become. And this becomes more and more your testimony. It's a process. It may take a little time. It'll definitely take some effort. It'll definitely take some on-purpose effort. But look at what you end up with. You end up with a pretty good life as far as it affects others. Verse 13 says, in concluding chapter 13, Now and now abide faith, hope, love these three but the greatest of these is love and the first two words of chapter 14 in verse 1 pursue love there's where i got my title for today's message it's an active command it's it's intended by the apostle paul who who did not write this in verses Okay? He did not write it in chapter and verses. He wrote it as a letter. And as he was writing, his conclusion here was pursue love. Pursue this. Be like this. Pursue. Work on being like this. And when you see yourself not like this, then challenge yourself to change. Whenever you notice that you're not enduring or suffering long or being kind, if you notice that you're rude, if you notice that you're beginning to have evil thoughts, if you notice that, that you're seeking your own or, or, or that you're being easily provoked, if you happen to notice that you're parading yourself or that you're, you're prideful or you're puffed up and, and you think a little bit more of yourself or a little less of others or you're being envious, uh, uh, you know, uh, listen, um, no matter what you're doing in life, saying, doing, or giving, it doesn't matter. It's not making you better. Love will make you better. But these are things that we have to take inventory ourselves. You see, we know from 1 John, the fourth chapter, verse 8, verse 16, they tell us God is love. That's what the Bible says. God is love. Wow. 
Now, if I were love, it might be easier to love. But I am not love. You know, I am not God. I am not love. It, it's, it, you know, it, it might be a lot easier if I were love, but God is love. And the best I can do is to become more like God. And the Word of God gives me a picture of God, and it tells me clearly what I should be loving and what I should not be loving. It gives me, you know, you know the Bible says a few things? In Proverbs, for example, in, 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 in chapter 20 and verse 13, the Bible says, do not love sleep. Wow, isn't that interesting? I'll just throw that out there because that's what it says. Do not love sleep. Uh, I'll leave it for what it's worth. I mean, after all, I didn't say that. God did. Okay. Uh, it didn't say don't sleep. The Bible says God gives his beloved sleep. Psalms 127 too. But the Bible also says don't let your love of sleep make you a lazy person. There's some work to do. Get up and get busy because if you don't work, you won't eat. Don't fall in love with being lazy. Amen? Pretty good deal. The Bible also says, do not love money. 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. Now the Bible says that God has given us richly all things to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy things, not love the things, so much that we begin to pursue and protect things instead of pursuing and protecting what God wants to pursue and protect. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to have things. It means God does not want things to have us. The Bible tells us that we should not love money. Why? Because the love of money is the root of all evil. Look around. Do you see any evil anywhere around you? Is there any evil anywhere? Is there anyone in the world that is lying today? Is there anyone in the world that is cheating today? Is there anyone in the world that's doing something evil or wicked today? It is because, and at its root, they're going to gain something from it. Their hope of gain. And the love of money is the root of all evil. Follow the money. Well, I wish we could, but you don't even know where it went. But I promise you, it wasn't God. Because God don't do that. The Bible also says in 1 John 2.15, do not love the world. There's, you know, the Bible tells us you know, what to love and what not to love. I mean, it really points it out. You know, God wants you to love. He wants you to love with a full heart. He wants you to love fervently. He wants you to suffer long. He wants you to pursue love, but He doesn't want you to love the world, this system of the world. He doesn't want you to love the world or the things of this world. He said everything that is in this world, worldly things are enemies of God and enemies of love. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The Bible says they are enemies of God. They're your enemies. They may promise, but they cannot perform. Do not love the world or the things of the world. In fact, 1, Timothy, excuse me, 1 John 2.15 says that if anyone loves the world, then the love of God is not in him. Wow. If we are pursuing the world, 
If we're out there pursuing the carnal pleasures of this world, the carnal pursuits, or you know, all the things that this world promises, then the love of God is not in us. That's interesting. We are giving so many pictures. God not only gives us pictures of things that we should not love, He also gives us pictures of the right kind of love, of things that we should love and how we should love. The Bible tells us in, in Mark chapter 12 and in Matthew and in Luke, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus plainly says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as much as you do yourself. Well, who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus explained who your neighbor is. Anyone that needs your love, your blessing, your encouragement. You know, people you can help. Love them as much as you would yourself. Love God and love others. The Bible also says in Matthew 5, in verse 44, love your enemies. Whoo! Man, anyone have a pair of scissors that can cut that one out of their Bible? Surely he didn't mean that. Well, yes, he did. The world... The Bible says, Jesus was explaining, the world loves their friends and hates their enemies. The world does good things to people who do good things to them. The love, you know, the, the love of the world rewards people that love them. But he also said, this world is not going to love you. If you were of the world, the world would love you. But you're not. You are born again believers. The world's not going to love you, but I want you to love your enemies anyway. I don't want you to love the system, and I don't want you to pursue worldly, carnal appetites, but I do want you to love your enemies. I want you to pursue and protect what I'm pursuing and protecting. You might say, that's hard. Yes, love is work. It's work. We have to work on ourselves if we are going to love our enemies. What does that mean? Our enemies, we should want them to be born again. We should want them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We should want them to fall in love with God, and then they would cease to be a problem. Amen? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 that we should speak the truth in love. You know, you're finally going to speak the truth. You'll finally speak it in anger and resentment and bitterness or else you'll speak it in truth. We should speak the truth in love and not wait until we're so frustrated that we blurt out something that really is just an aggravation instead of an encouragement. The Bible even tells us in Galatians, the fifth chapter, we read it a little bit there in, in, in our reading in, in 1 Corinthians 13, talking about faith. If you have all faith but don't have love, it, it, it profits you nothing. You know, Galatians uh, chapter 5 and verse 6 says that, that faith works by love. The greatest faith you're ever going to have will be motivated by love, will be motivated by a pursuit of something that God loves. The greatest faith that you could have would be faith for someone to be born again. That would be the greatest faith that you could ever have. 
Not faithful to new Cadillac, but faithful to an enemy or a friend to be born again, to pursue what God loves. There's something to grow your faith because faith works by love. Jesus, the Bible says in Matthew 14, 14, he was motivated by love. That's what motivated him to heal the multitudes. He was motivated by the compassion that he had. The love that he had made him heal. He healed because he loved the people. He also said in John, the 15th chapter, verse 13, that there is no greater love than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. That he would lay down his life. That doesn't just mean die, by the way. It means that you would offer your life, at times sacrificially, at times not easy, but that you would choose others and what's best for them instead of just choosing always what's best for you. That you would lay your life down for a friend. There's no greater love than to choose someone else. That's the picture of Jesus. He chose us instead of choosing himself. You know, He chose us. That is the picture of love. God chose us. God could have you know, said, oh, uh, never mind. I'm going to drop kick the earth and all the inhabitants you know, into eternity. But he didn't. He chose us. He sacrificed for us. We love God, 1 John 4 says in verse 19, because he first loved us. You know, the one who has the love of God in their heart should be the first one to love. We don't have to wait to love a person only after they have proven they're worthy of our love. We should not say, well, you know, they don't love me, so I don't love them. Well, no, I don't care anything about them. Well, no, we ought to have a, you know, some amount of love in our life so that we would love first, like God. God loves first, God loves most, God loves always. God's love for us, by the way, and He loves us so much. But let me tell you the truth this morning. God's love will not save you. God's love will not change you. God's love will not save you any more than your grandmother's love will save you. God's love will not save you. God's love will only offer you salvation. It's your love of God that will save you. Love is offered by God but it must be accepted by man in order for it to have any lasting effect. There is no eternal relationship with God unless you love Him back. You might have some measure of success in an earthly relationship where only one person in the covenant is loving. But that will not work for an eternal covenant. Love, true love, God's love, your love, 
can only be measured in giving. That's all. Lust is taking. Love is giving. Lust is all about me. Love is all about you. Love is giving your best to others, for others, even when your best is not appreciated, even when it goes unnoticed, even when it's misunderstood, even when it's despised and rejected. Love is giving. That's what John 3.16 said. That's why God did what he did, because he loved You see, love drives us to pursue and to protect what we value most. What do you value most? Maybe it's a question in your heart. What is it that you really value? I can tell you what you're valuing by watching what you're pursuing, watching what you're protecting. This is how I came to know the love of Christ is he pursued me he loves me he loves you you may as yet be unaware maybe you have not heard how much Jesus is pursuing a relationship with you So much so that it cost him his own life. So much so that he laid down all that he could have had without you because he did not want it without you. Love offered and love accepted. That is the conditional basis upon which you will be saved. God has done his part. Perhaps you are doing your part. Maybe you are loving someone. Maybe you are pursuing a right love. Maybe you are the loving person in a relationship. And maybe you're just waiting for the other person to have that love, to fall in love, to feel that love, or just to accept your love. Or maybe you are waiting Maybe you don't love, and maybe you're sitting around waiting for someone else to prove their love before you give them yours. The love that God wants you to experience is a love that loves first, is a love that is willing to endure and to suffer, a love that is willing to be kind, even when others aren't. And I pray that you never experience that. But if you do, I pray that you experience it with God, not without Him. Don't withhold your love. Love the right things, not the wrong things. Accept the love that God has given you. You might say, how can I accept God's love? How can you accept the love of God? Well, it will be a choice. 
It will not be as hard as you imagine. Love is work, but, it, but it's not as hard as you imagine because God works with you to help you love. God cultivates love in your life. God plants the seeds of love in your life. And God helps you to weed that, 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 that fruit of love in your life. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. The first fruit is love. Love grows in our life as we please God, as we make the right choices, as we offer ourselves to Him and include Him in our equations of life. Love begins to grow. How can you accept the love of Christ? It's being offered. Well, the first thing you're going to have to do is drop your defenses. You've just got to drop your defenses why are you afraid of being loved why are you afraid of loving back why are you so closed off why why is there a fenced wall around you Jesus is trying to reach into your heart he loves you he wants what's best for you he wants good for you let down your defenses. What is it that you're protecting? The love of the world? The love of wrong things? Of wrong people? The wrong way? What is it? Are you harboring hurt, hate, and anger? Love will take care of that. Love can overwhelm that. See, love suffers long, okay? It's not, oh my goodness, I've got to suffer long so I'll be in love. No. When you are in love, this is a natural fruit of love. It just is patient and kind and endures and is not rude and, it's, and it's, uh, doesn't behave itself unseemly. Wouldn't you like a dose of that? If I could give you an injection, if you could come down in a prayer line and I could you know, give you an injection of love and you left here you know, going, whoa, you know, I love my enemies. I love the lost. I love Jesus. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm no longer rude. How many of you would sign your spouse up for that no longer rude Injection. Long suffering, kind. How many of you would sign your husbands up for that not being puffed up and right all the time injection? Well, you know, you can get that simply by letting your defenses down and accepting the love of God in your life and beginning to let the fruit of that love of the Spirit of God grow in your life. But you've got to let down your defenses. You know, just, 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 why don't you do this exercise with me right now? It's a good point of contact, okay? We're going to take a deep breath, and we're going to just let our defenses, I'm, I'm, I'm going to count to three. Those of you at home, come on now, do this with me, okay? Yes, you will do it, okay? Y'all ready? Okay? You ready? Here's what we're going to do on the count of three. We're going to inhale really deeply. We're going to exhale. We're going to let down our defenses and let the love of God into our lives. We're going to ask Jesus to come in, plant the seeds of love, and we're going to just say, today is the day that I am going to begin to grow the fruits of the Spirit in my life. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me where I failed you. Now I'm going to leave this service working 
on my love. Okay, are you all ready? You want to let our, let our defenses down, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me where I've failed you. Jesus, teach me. Grow me. Show me how to love others like you love me. Show me where my pursuits are not aimed at the right thing, where I am protecting the wrong thing, protecting myself against you, against others, Lord, who just want to love me. Forgive me, God. I challenge myself to change. Thank you. Jesus, live in my heart. I accept your love. And I'm going to watch what you can do in my life and through my life to pursue what you love. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, if you prayed that prayer, then today God's going to expect something different from you. Expect it from yourself. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.